My name is Kyle, if we haven't met yet, and I have the honor and privilege of serving uh, as the pastor here at Crossroads Christian Church. And I am very excited uh, today to be able to open, uh, to continue to open the scriptures with you as we continue a three-week vision series that we are doing here at Crossroads. And uh, this series is based on the three core values of our church, knowing Christ through the scriptures, growing together as a family, and going into the world to make disciples of Jesus. And this week, just like last week, we're going to go through the scriptures together, and our goal is to understand the why behind our core values, and to see how these core values are aligned with God's mission for his people. These core values uh, of Crossroads, these are our way of articulating who we are and what we are to be about as a church. And so as we examine the scriptures each week, I'm also going to try to give you real life on the ground level application of today's core value. Uh, so you have something to take with you today to begin living out in your everyday life. So if you're ready for week two, let's talk about growing together as a family. Growing together as a family. And just like I did last week, I'm going to read from our website. Um, we have a, a page on our website that says statements and beliefs, and it has our core values. Uh, this is what it says. It says, um, the church is not a place to consume religious goods and services, but rather a diverse group of people committed to being a unified family. As family, we seek to reorient our lives, preferences, and resources toward each other. Therefore, we will work to ensure that we are a unified community who supports each other through relationships, service, and prayer. Yes, you heard that right, church. The church is not a spiritual shopping mall. It's not a spiritual all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, we are not meant to be spiritual customers or spiritual consumers in church. Uh, church doesn't exist to meet all of your needs or to provide you with an a la carte buffet-style menu of religious goods and services for you to consume. Um, if this is your idea of church, if you're like, hey, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of, this sermon is going to challenge you. I'm going to tell you that on the front end. Um, at Crossroads, instead of that view of church, we view church as a family. And as a family, we seek unity around the essentials of the faith. We allow for diversity and the non-essential things. And we believe that there should be mutual respect for the differences that people have that don't really matter. But also, like a family, there's an authority structure in place. There's accountability. There's discipline. Every member of the family is called to sacrifice, um, to serve one another, and to reach out and to welcome others into the family. And lastly, like family, we support each other and we care for each other in times of need. And what makes the church family unique and different from other families that you may be thinking of is that we are united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're united around God's word, which is the Bible. And we gather to worship and pray, and then throughout the week, we scatter to go and to make disciples. And just to be clear, the church as a family, that idea, that is not my idea. That, that didn't start with Kyle or, or with Crossroads. Um, but instead, it started with the Bible. So if you have a copy of God's word, the Bible, uh, with you, go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts, chapter 2, that would be the fifth book in the New Testament, chapter 2. And Acts, just to give you a little bit of background, um, Acts tells the story of the birth of the church. And here in verse uh, 42, which is where we're going to start today, uh, verse 42, um, you will see that there's an unprepared and unorganized church 
that is described here in the book of Acts. Um, it's, a, it's an unprepared and unorganized church at best. Not to mention, it's a church that's full of brand new followers of Jesus. You may be going, well, how is a church full of all brand new people? Well, prior to the church being born, there was one sermon preached and 3,000 people decided that they were going to start following Jesus after they heard this sermon. <laughs> so the church goes from population zero to population 3,000 overnight. Um, yes, you can call the, the church in the book of Acts an overnight megachurch because it was. And so starting in verse uh, 42, here's what it says. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And, then, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So again, these verses that are written here in the book of Acts, they're written at the moment that the church is birthed. So right when the church begins. And these were the first things, you, you might say, that a local church did. And so if we just hone in on verse 42, we see four practices in verse 42 alone that the church family devoted themselves to. So um, the point that I want to make to you today, the thing that I want to show you from this text is this. A church that grows together as a family devotes itself to the gospel, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the practice of prayer. Those four things, the gospel, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the practice of prayer. And so we are going to walk through each one of these together this afternoon. You guys ready? Okay. That was like, okay, yeah. That was like, well, it's happening. So, uh, all right. Start with the gospel, the gospel. In verse 42, when it says the apostles' teaching, when it says, you see that phrase in there um, in, in your text, the apostles' teaching, it's talking about the teaching about Jesus. This is the gospel. Gospel is a word in Greek. It simply means good news. And specifically here in the Bible, it's talking about the good news about Jesus Christ. This church was grounded in the gospel of Jesus how did they ground themselves in this? Well, they spent time in taking the Word of God. Remember last week we discussed our first core value here at Crossroads? All right, bonus points right now. Who remembers what it is? What was the first one? Know something. Okay, what? What else? Wow, wow. Okay. All right, so we put our, we, we put our sermons on the website every week. You can go back and listen. Um, all right, knowing Christ through the scriptures. Knowing Christ through the scriptures. This was a core value of the early church as well, as evidenced by this verse. Um, the, the scriptures say they devoted themselves to Jesus and to the understanding and living out of the gospel message. They devoted themselves to this. It was not something they shrugged off or glanced at occasionally or drifted into. You see, these people that are mentioned here in the book of Acts, they are Jesus' followers because they are devoted to him. And church, I just want to say, you will never drift casually into becoming a devoted follower of Jesus. That's not how it works. You're not going to drift into being devoted to something. 
you must be intentional about this. You've heard the saying, perhaps, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. Well, I want to say to you today, it takes a church to make a disciple. It takes a church to make a disciple. In fact, immediately prior to this passage uh, that we're looking at here, uh, Peter, um, who was one of the disciples, he preaches the gospel to a crowd of people. And it results in 3,000 people from that crowd being saved. And this is what he says. He preaches the gospel. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he goes on, he says, let all the house of Israel know, therefore know for certain, so he's not being unclear, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then he keeps going, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. A church that grows together as a family is first united around knowing Christ through the scriptures. This is why our core values build on one another. A church that grows together as a family is united around the gospel. They're united around living out the gospel in everyday life. This was the way of the early church, and this is the way, Lord willing, of Crossroads Christian Church in Brooklyn. The second thing, the fellowship, the fellowship. So fellowship's kind of a funny word. Like if you're not in church circles, you don't talk about fellowship. You don't go to your friends and be like, hey, you guys want a fellowship? Like, like, like you don't do that. I know that. Um, but think of fellowship. Let's break it down a little bit. Think of fellowship. Fellowship, you could say, is fellow worship. Fellow worship. It's the sharing of a unity in Christ that you have with somebody. Worshiping together as fellow believers in Jesus. This fellow worship or fellowship produces joy, and it brings praise back to God. And there's two main settings here um, in which we as a church engage in fellowship here at Crossroads. Um, let's talk about Sundays first. Sundays. Sunday's today. If you didn't know what day it is, today's Sunday. Um, as a church family, we gather together on Sundays to worship together through conversation, through songs, through the teaching of God's Word. This fellowship or fellow worship of God, it happens only amongst Christians. This is a Christian thing. Um, this is something, by the way, that no other social club can offer you. Um, I'll give you an example. So my wife and I, we are members of a running club. Um, yes, it's what it sounds like. People get together and they run. I know, you're like, that's the worst thing to be a part of. Um, no, we like it. Hey, you know, it's our thing. Um, so, so we get together and we run. And some of us will hang out from time to time um, outside of just getting together to run. Like we'll hang out socially, right? Um, but we don't fellowship. And you might be going, well, why is that not called fellowship? Well, I don't worship running. <laughs> I like to run, but I don't worship running. Um, I hope our friends in the running club don't either. 
But even if they do, um, I don't, so it's not fellowship. It's not fellow worship of the same thing. In church, one of the cool things about Sundays at Crossroads and about what God is doing at our church, each and every week, it seems like God is just constantly and consistently bringing people into our Sunday gatherings that we have never seen before. Um, Praise God for that. Many people's first step into the Crossroads family comes on a Sunday when they attend one of our worship services. And maybe today you're here and you are one of our honored first-time guests. Maybe today is your first Sunday here at Crossroads. And if that's you, we're super glad you're here. We are honored that you're here with us. Um, I hope you stay to the end of this sermon. Um, we, we want everyone to feel welcome and to experience a taste of what it is like to be a part of the family of God, even if it's their first time here with us on Sunday. This is why, by the way, church, we have something called a first impressions team. Um, a first impressions team. Wanda Padilla is the leader of that team. If you've, if you've come to Crossroads, uh, you, you probably have the shared story of, of saying, hey, Wanda was one of the first people I met. Or somebody wearing a lanyard uh, was one of the first people that, that I met. That's our first impressions team. Um, they actually are a team of volunteers, and their job is to make you feel welcome uh, from, as we say, the street to the seat. Make you feel welcome from the street to the seat. We say the sermon starts on the sidewalk. The experience that people have with what it's like to be a part of the family of God starts before they ever enter this room. And by the way, when you come into this space and you, and you notice and you look around and you go, wow, this is set up like a church. It's, it, we have stuff on stage. We have people in place. There's people welcoming me. Um, I just... This is an aside from the sermon. I just want to say that doesn't just happen. <laughs> um, there's not like a church fairy that comes in here and like does all this and gets it ready. Uh, we have people that show up each and every week at 1.45 or 1.30, um, and they prepare this place for you. They prepare it for you. So if you're here, you're here in a place that has been prepared for you. That's our worship team does that. Our production team does that. Um, our first impressions team certainly does that. And also our Crossroads kids and Crossroads students volunteers. And so if you, are, if you are going like, wow, how does all this happen each week? There are a team of people that would love to have you as their teammate <laughs> uh, to help out with that stuff. Because it doesn't just happen. It takes intentionality. And it's an awesome, awesome way to serve, to get connected, and to grow together as a family. Um, okay, I'm all for that. Back, back to Sundays. But whether it's someone's first time, second time, or 12th time at Crossroads, um, if we are going to grow together as a family, it's going to take all of us reaching out together um, to one another. This can't just be the job as our church continues to grow larger and larger and larger. Praise God. Um, as that happens, it can't just be the job of a few people. Um, so you may not know if somebody's a follower of Jesus. You may not know if somebody's just checking out our church uh, for the first time, just, you know, kind of scoping it out. Um, you, you may not know that, and that's okay. But why not give them a refreshing welcome anyway? Why not just do that? Why not just give them a taste of what it looks like to be a part of the family of God? Church, you guys know we live in one of the densest cities in the world, where, and density is measured by how many people live in one space. You guys know we live in a pretty dense city, um, but yet it's also one of the loneliest cities in the world. New York is one of consistently ranked, one of the loneliest cities in the world. And many people in our city experience something called crowded loneliness. Crowded loneliness. Think about it. You know what this means. Like you go somewhere, it's always packed, right? Like everywhere you go is crowded, right? It's always busy. It's always hustle bustle. Um, but it's crowded loneliness, 
Many of us are surrounded by people constantly, um, but we are isolated when it comes to relationships. And in the church, it should not be this way. It should be very different in the church, even in a dense city like ours. And that means if you walk into this building or you walk onto this campus and you see someone that you do not know, you should approach them and introduce yourself. You don't have to be weird. You can just be normal. <laughs> just introduce yourself. Family members greet one another and speak to one another. That's what they do. They do it before the service. They do it after the service. Um, make it a point. Make it a point, church, to welcome other people into the family. Think about if you've been a part of the Crossroads family for a while, think about all of the blessings that God has put in your life through this church family. And think about other people that need to experience that. The second way that we engage in fellowship, groups. I'm getting the look. Come on. You knew we were going to talk about groups um, in a sermon on growing together as a family. You knew this was coming. Uh, groups are the place. Groups are the place where real community happens at Crossroads. Um, I, I like to say, and, and we like to say around here at Crossroads, we are not a church with groups. We are a church of groups. We're not a church that just has groups kind of on the side. We are a church that's made up of small groups of people. Look at what the scriptures say about this in verse 44 of Acts chapter 2. It says, all who believed were together. And then in verse 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Remember, this was a church of 3,000 plus growing by the day. But as they grew larger, their care circles or their circles of care actually grew smaller. That's kind of like the secret of, of what, uh, that's like the secret sauce here of like what they're doing. They were growing like crazy. I mean, we're growing, but we're not growing zero to 3,000 and then some every day. Like, like we're not doing that. Um, um, it, it, at least, you know, maybe, maybe when this sermon's over, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Um, but, but this was a crazy, crazy growth. But as they grew larger, as they grew larger, they also, their care circles grew smaller. And Lord willing, it will be the same way here at Crossroads. Groups are the place where people come together to learn what the Bible says, to learn how to apply it to their lives. Yes. But living out the gospel doesn't happen exclusively in Bible study. It happens in the everyday, regular stuff of life. The kind of stuff that you might say families engage in. And so when growth groups, prayer groups, core groups, communities, all of the different types of groups that we have here at Crossroads, when they become family, they begin to do the all of life stuff together. They eat meals together. They pray for one another. They care for one another's needs on a regular basis. They are generous in the way that they serve together and the way that they give to the church. They have joy when they get together. There's joy in one another's presence. And in verse 47 of Acts 2, it says, they praised God for what he was doing in their midst. And this is why, by the way, we, we often, when we talk about groups, we discourage people to join multiple groups and to group hop around during the week. We actually don't encourage that. Um, we say, hey, it's, it's better if a group is like a family, okay? Like join a group. Um, groups become like family when uh, the people in the group know that you are consistently there for them. You're there for one another. 
um, and that you are going deep with the same people on a regular basis. Um, you're there for them in vulnerability. You're there for them in prayer. You're there for them in accountability. You're there for them in the good times, and you're there for them in the bad times. Um, so there's no spiritual brownie points or extra blessings that you get from jumping from group to group to group to group. And so we don't necessarily encourage that here at Crossroads. Um, what, what we do is we say, if you want more fellowship, like if, you, if you're part of a group and you want more fellowship, schedule that outside of the group's meeting time with the people in your group or maybe the people you serve with here at Crossroads. But don't go join another group just to find that. Join one group and go deep in that group. Now, I'll make one exception to that for you, just so you know. We have a group um, here called the Prayer Room. It's, it's going to be meeting, starting to meet here in a couple weeks. It meets every other Thursday at the Crossroads office. And that's a group that's a little bit different because they don't do a group discussion guide that talks about the Bible study and sermon. They center on the practice of prayer. They gather together specifically to pray. That's what they do. If you want to be in a growth group and be in the prayer room, you, can, you have my blessing for that. All right, go for it. Um, that's the exception to the rule. Otherwise, one group, go deep in that group. And a group and a church of groups like Crossroads that grows together as a family, I believe will help us to have a major impact on the world around us. And here's how. Here's an example. In the fourth century, there was a pagan Roman emperor. Um, he had, a, he, he had a, like the worst name ever. Uh, Julian the Apostate was his name. Pagan Roman emperor, Julian the Apostate. Apostate mean one, means like one that fell away from the belief. Um, so that's his name. Um, but he made a comment about Christians that he, like, like he looked out on his empire and, and made a comment about the Christians. And this is what he said. He said, when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priest, then I think the impious Galileans, that's like his slang term for Christians. Uh, that was like a, a cut back in the day. Um, the impious Galileans, i.e. Christians, observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. They, he's talking about Christians, they support not only their poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. So, so, he is, so he's commenting um, on his own empire, and he's saying, like, when it, when it came about that people were loved and cared for and that had community, he's like, the Christians were doing it better than anybody. He's like, and our own people that are supposed to rely on us, we're even looking at it going like, yeah, you guys don't do anything for us, but these Christians, they love us and they care about us. And I see the way that they love and care one another, and that's different. The love and care for one another that we show is one of the best ways for us to witness to an outside world about Jesus and about his love. Listen to what Jesus himself says about this. He says in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So church, just imagine with me for a second what that would look like here, what it would look like in Brooklyn. If people said, wow, that church, man, they like, that church, I can see from the outside because, like, I know some people that go there. Like, they love one another. They care for one another. When somebody there has a need, it's met. When, some, when somebody there is going through a hard time, they have people around them that are there 
and in their lives and helping them and encouraging them and supporting them. Um, and by the way, they don't just do that for one another. They do that for everybody that they, I don't know what it is with those people, but like they do that for everybody. Like imagine what that could be like, church. Uh, imagine the mayor of, of New York City being, uh, uh, being like, this, like this Roman emperor saying, wow, Crossroads takes care of our people better than we can. Um, so much so that even the people who've never cared about religion or faith or Christianity or anything are flocking to them in droves because they love one another. This is what a church of groups can be. This is what I think we can be at Crossroads. We can be a witness to Jesus' love as we grow together as a family. Now, this is why we are giving everybody here today an opportunity to join a group, not, not like a requirement, but like an opportunity to join a group immediately after service ends today. Um, we're doing something special called Group Link today, immediately after service. Um, once we're finished with our service, uh, this curtain right here is actually going to open up, and all of our group leaders, everybody who leads a group, is going to be in that room at a table with a sign for their group, and it'll say what their group is called and when they meet. <laughs> and, and we are all going to exit today through, um, through these curtains um, to leave the auditorium, and you will have an opportunity to get linked up to a group today. All of our groups at Crossroads are starting to meet next week. This is, this, there could not be a better time for you to say, hey, I want to join a group. I want to be a part of a group. Um, all of our groups are launching here um, in, in the next week. So um, that's going to happen immediately today after service, after we finish up. And all of our group leaders are going to be there. You can ask questions. Uh, they can tell you a little bit about what their group is like. And you can find a fit for you. You can find something that works for you. Uh, we're excited to offer more groups than we've ever offered here at Crossroads this year. And so that's going to be happening right after service. But let's move on. The breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And I'm just going to acknowledge here that there's multiple meanings here of what breaking of bread means. Um, there's been biblical scholars that have written, uh, uh, they've spilled much ink on exactly what that phrase is talking about. Um, but here's what we do know, and here's what it means for us. The early church, they observed the Lord's table or communion, just as we do each and every week. Um, we, we break the bread together in communion, um, and, and we drink of the cup, which represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. Um, we, we, just like the early church, never want to forget the sacrifice that Jesus Christ um, has made on our behalf. And taking communion each and every week, so whenever this church gathered here in the book of Acts, they would take communion. We do the same thing. Um, we do the same. We take it every week as part of our worship service, and it's a way for us to remember who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So we do it for the same reason that the early church did. The early church also spent time breaking bread in their homes together. The scripture tells us this. Um, basically, that means they ate together. <laughs> All right, it's not super spiritual. Like, like they, they shared meals together. Now, you know, the types of meals might have been different back then. Um, they probably had Jewish feasts. They probably had a, got what they called agape meals among Christians, which were known as like love feast. It's basically a chance for them to get together. Um, they might have had DoorDash from a Thai restaurant, Uber Eats, Seamless, Scrubbub. You get the idea. Uh, but the point was that they spent time around the table with one another. And that was a way that they fellowshiped. That was a way that they grew together as a family. And the early church Christians devoted themselves to this, the Bible said. 
Now, I know a lot of people in church that are like, getting together to eat good food? Yeah, sign me up. I'm there. Uh, I, I'm, like, I can get behind that model like of, of doing church. Well, in the Bible, like in the Bible, they devoted themselves to breaking bread together with one another. And, and there is something there is something about coming around the table with one another and eating a meal together. And, and the early Christians figured that out. And that means that we should also make time intentionally. Um, you should make time intentionally in your home, around your table, to have other people engage with you. Lastly, the practice of prayer. They devoted themselves to the practice of prayer. A majority of references to prayer in the book of Acts are actually referring to what's called corporate prayer um, or prayer in the church or prayer by the church. It's not referring, most of those references aren't referring to individuals praying. Prayer is not just something that we should do in isolation. It's not just something that we do all by ourselves, um, but instead something that should characterize our time together as a church family. So when the church family gathers, there should be prayer. Uh, therefore, I just, I just want to say it to us because sometimes I think if you've been in church for a while or you're new to church, um, we might just not know this or think about this. But in the early church, it was not weird for them to pray out loud or to pray in front of people. And you might say, well, I'm shy. Okay, um, God can still hear your prayer, whether you pray it out loud or you pray it quietly. Um, but there is something encouraging about Christians praying together for one another, out loud, in a space. Prayer was a part, for the early church, it was a part of all of life worship of God. Corporate prayer, together. Together. And at Crossroads, we actually don't view prayer as like, all right, before we do this thing, we're just going to pray. Um, like, the real ministry's coming, but we're going to pray. That's not how we view prayer. Instead, we believe that oftentimes prayer is the ministry. And, and getting together to pray is what God has called us to do. And so I just want to tell you about a couple opportunities. Um, before I do that, I, want to, I, I just want to highlight this past Wednesday, many of you showed up to the Crossroads office. We had a full house um, in our Crossroads office space. And you spent time praying together. And our worship team led us in songs. And we sang together. And people six stories up heard the praises of Jesus, I'm sure, um, heard the praises of Jesus being prayed and sung out loud. And that's something that we do from time to time at Crossroads because we believe that that is ministry. Like we are doing ministry when we are gathered together and calling on the Lord. Um, but there's two regular opportunities. We don't do that every week. Um, but, but there's two regular opportunities that we do to grow together as a family in prayer. One is midweek morning prayer. That's Wednesday mornings, 8 a.m. It's on Zoom. And you're like, that was like from a few years ago, we did a lot of Zoom. No, 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 that we still do this on Zoom. Um, Wednesday, 8 a.m., it's max 20 minutes, and we're off at, at 8.20. Um, but we get together, and whoever logs on, um, and our church has been doing this for, we're, we're coming up, we're getting close to like 200 consecutive weeks of this um, that we've done as a church. But we are gathering together um, each and every week to do uh, morning prayer, Wednesdays at 8. And then the prayer room that I told you about a few minutes ago. Every other Thursday, 6.30 at night at the Crossroads office on 4th and Ovington, um, we are gathering together to pray. And in a few moments, actually, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray um, if you would like to with somebody um, from our prayer team. We do this every week when we have a response time in our service. We always say, hey, if you need prayer, if you need prayer, come forward. Come forward. We're here.
And in addition to our corporate prayer, prayer is something, yes, that you can do throughout the day on your own. For centuries, Christians have practiced prayer in the mornings, in the middle of the day, and in the evenings. You can incorporate these practices in your life too. It's possible for you. And so to, to recap, the church that grows together as a family devotes itself to four things. The gospel, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the practice of prayer. And when the church does this, I just want you to, to look with me at what the result is, what happens. In Acts 2, it tells us, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church was not a church full of religious consumers. That's not what they were. They did not have a consumer mindset in the church. They had a family mindset. And the core value of growing together as a family was important to the early church, and it remains important to us, Crossroads. And so now, just to, to sort of end here, um, I just want to talk a little bit, because there's, there's an obvious question with this and the question, in terms of application. And the question is, well, how do I do this? Like, how do I actually, like, like what do I actually do? Because maybe you're here, and at this point, you're thinking, you know what, I don't have time to grow together as a family with my church family. I, I just don't have time. After all, maybe you have your own family that you're responsible for. Maybe you grew up here, and maybe you have extended family in the area. Maybe you have a large amount of friends in the area. Maybe your kids, um, you have one child or multiple kids, and maybe they play sports, or they have three to four different, of course, because your kids never pick the same thing, do they? Um, different extracurricular activities that fill your evenings, your weekends, um, and, and your Sundays. Listen, I understand how you feel. I get it. I get it, and I've been there. And let me first say, none of those things that I just mentioned are bad. None of those are bad. In fact, they're usually blessings. They're blessings. It's a blessing to have family. It's a blessing to have friends. It's a blessing to have kids that are well-connected and engaged in things. Those are blessings. But between work, school, family, and friends, you might be tempted to think or even say out loud sometimes, who has time for church stuff too? <laughs> who has time? Who has the time to add on church stuff? But asking that question is actually asking the wrong question. The question you should be asking is, how am I abiding in Christ? How am I abiding in Christ through my local church? How am I connected to the family? Because here's the reality. A Christian that is not growing together as a family in a local church is an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. There's no biblical precedent for that. Um, isolated, uh, lone ranger Christians, whatever term you want to use, they don't exist in the, in the New Testament. They are not a thing. They are not a thing, biblically speaking. And I'm convinced that oftentimes we don't ask the right questions because we're too hurried, we're too, we're too busy, we're too, we're, we're too packed, our schedules are too full, our days are too filled with distractions, our spare time is spent in the therapeutic glow of the screen, um, and there's always another busy season just around the corner. Amen, church? There's always another busy season just around the corner. Um, here's the thing, though. If you have multiple busy seasons, it's not a season. 
It's your life is too busy and too hurried. All of this prevents us from growing together as a family. Last week, church, I read a quote to you from Dallas Willard, and I'm going to read it to you again. He said, he, he was a scholar and a theologian. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You have to unhurry your life to live out this core value. You have to. You can't live it out if you don't unhurry your life. You can't do it. It's impossible. And I don't have time to deep dive with you today about every single action step for you because it's going to be different for everybody. It's going to be different for everybody on how you do that. Um, but here's what I will offer you. If you are serious about that and you say, you know what, uh, you know what, Kyle, what you just described is my life. It's packed. It's full. I'm hurried. I'm, I'm one thing to the next, one busy season to the next. If that's you, if you're serious, if you're serious about wanting to unhurry your life, send me an email, kyle at crossroadsbrooklyn.com. And I will sit with you and serve you in any way I can, whether that's through co-assessment with you about what's hurrying you, uh, providing resources, sharing from my own experience. This is a journey um, that I've been on, my family's been on. Um, I would love to offer you any kind of assistance or guidance or counseling in that way um, about this topic. Like, I'll offer that to anybody here. So, uh, because if you try to add on church stuff to a hurried life, to an overflowing plate, you will feel more overwhelmed than ever, and you'll likely despair. You'll likely despair. So what do you do? Look again at those four devotions, um, the four devotions of the early church. They wanted to grow together as a family, so they devoted themselves to the gospel, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the practice of prayer. Here's, here's the challenge. Make these four primary devotions the four primary devotions of your life. The gospel, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the practice of prayer. Make them priorities in, in your life, in your family, in your schedule, in your budget, and begin to say no to the things that are crowding those things out. Those are the, those are the big ones. It's really difficult to do this. I get it. I stand up here as somebody who, like, I have been through the struggle of trying to figure this out, and I still feel like I'm still in it. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. I get that. But the good news is you don't have to do it alone. And at Crossroads, you will not be alone in this journey. Join a group where other people can spur you on and encourage you in these things. Encourage one another. Hold each other accountable. Begin to reorient your life around what really matters. Your church family makes this possible. Your church family makes this possible because you know that they are going to be there for you and support you in it. And I don't just say that because I'm the pastor here. Uh, that's like, well, we could, I could pass the mic around and, and, and you would hear story after story of somebody saying, yep, they were there for me, they supported me. They were there for me, they supported me. And at Crossroads, we're not consumers. We're not only here for what we get. We are family committed to grow um, together, to love one another, to care for one another through the gospel the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the practice of prayer. And church, as we move into a time of response today, um, here's a couple ways that you can respond to what you've heard. We have the elements of communion up on the side. The first one is through the taking of communion. Um, we have the bread and the cup at the tables on the side of the room up here. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, it's on the screen behind me, he says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, and you have been baptized, we would invite you to to take communion with us. Uh, This is a time for you to confess any sin before the Lord and for you to reflect and remember um, who Jesus is and what he has given for you to be saved. If you're not a follower of Jesus, instead of receiving the communion, I would ask that you shouldn't take the bread and the cup. You should receive Jesus. You should consider receiving Jesus as Lord. This involves repenting or turning away from your sin and turning towards God, uh, believing that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for you to be saved and made right with God. Um, You can tell him in a prayer right where you are. If you want to come up and pray with somebody, uh, I'll be up here, members of our prayer team. If you're part of our prayer team, you can go ahead and come up now. Um, His grace is available for you today. And if you need prayer for any reason at all, as our worship team leads us in the last song, um, you just come to the front and, and pray with somebody. There are people up here who will pray with you. I'll be up at the front along with our prayer team. And it's an honor and a privilege to be able to pray with you and for you about anything. And lastly, one way you can respond right now is worship through singing. We did that earlier. We're going to do it again. Um, So go ahead and stand. And as our worship team leads us, you respond now in this moment, however you need to. Thanks. Thanks.